Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another great episode of the Tide Chasers podcast, where each show we try to bring you the best guests from across the fishing industry. Before we get started, please remember that you can give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers and listen to our show on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Waypoint TV. Uh, also, if you haven't already, make sure you listen to our most recent episode with Captain David Dinsmore of Dinsmore Fishing Charters. Kwa and I got the chance to talk with Captain David about flats fishing in Isla Mirada in the Florida Keys for bonefish tarpon and permit. Uh, it's, a great, it's a great episode with some fisheries that we're pretty passionate about, so make sure you check it out. Um, but today we have an awesome guest. And before we get started, I'd like to welcome on my co-host, Kwa. Kwa, how are you doing again, buddy? Hey, what's going on, Tyler? Long time no see. Yeah, I know, right? Back-to-back episodes for us. I know we've all been doing some fall fishing, and we're enjoying it before the cold weather gets here. Yeah, definitely. And definitely today's guest is going to be right up my alley, man. It's it's that time of year where all of us surf casters or boat guys, we, we're going crazy. We push our wives to the side. All the chores go to the side. Everything gets pushed back, and we use all our six days that we've been saving at work. We're going to use them all in the next month or two. Exactly. And with that being said, today we'd like to welcome on uh, Paul, Marzo- Paul Marzola of Jersey Shore Fishing on Instagram. Uh, Paul fishes our local waters for many of our favorite saltwater species. From surf fishing to bottom fishing, we're excited to talk fishing in New Jersey with Paul. Paul, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Sure, no problem. I know I've followed you on Instagram for a while now, and I'm always impressed with some of your great photos you have of many of our favorite fish trees up here in the Northeast, so we're excited to have you on. Um, so we always get started off by talking about, uh, you know, getting to know our guests a little bit. So, Paul, how did you get started in fishing? I mean, it, it really started day one. Um, you know, my grandfather and father, uh, both fishermen, so uh, I really didn't have an option, <laughs> but, uh, you know, back in the 1960s, my grandfather had a house built in Point Pleasant Beach, and actually a, a previous guest of the show, Tyler Sater, 
his grandfather, Joe Spader, actually helped develop that home. Um, but it was dire directly across from this lake, uh, Lake of the Lilies. And Father's Day, 1990, I caught my first fish, uh, the largemouth bass. And, you know, as I got older, you know, my father would take us, me and my brother, to, you know, the local lakes and ponds, uh, you know, catch panfish, occasional largemouth trout. Um, and eventually, you know, we kind of got into saltwater fishing. And uh, it started in the bay. You know, my grandfather, he was uh, good friends with a dock master at a marina in Brielle. Uh, and he kind of showed me the ropes for fluke fishing. And, you know, he used the same thing every time. It was always a white bucktail with a, a strip of, of squid and always did well, kind of taught me the waters. And as I continued getting older, you know, uh, back then, there were actually boats out of, I want to say it was Leonardo that targeted weak fish, um, things like that. Uh, many good memories, um, you know, hitting the surf as a kid, you know, for striped bass, getting in on some pretty epic schoolie blitzes. Uh, and, you know, it just kind of stuck for the, the large majority of my life. Um, and, you know, I got to, to learn the waters inside out. And, you know, I guess, you know, with, with time, you know, some of the fish fishing becomes to a degree predictable as like when they show up and stuff. Uh, and that really helps as far as the catch rate goes. But I mean, that's pretty much how it got started. You know, I got lucky to have a, you know, a family home, uh, not far from the ocean and directly on a lake. And it's kind of been a part of my life ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. That's kind of similar how I got started. My, my grandfather and my father, um, my grandfather had a boat on the Delaware Bay uh, out of Lewis, Delaware. So fluke fishing is the first thing I learned how to do. And then I kind of transitioned more to the freshwater as I got a little bit older with the largemouth bass. So we kind of just did the same things, but in reverse. So that's, that's cool to hear you talking <laughs> about that. <laughs> um, well, you know, we've been talking a lot recently about straight bass fishing, right? It's fall, yep. striped runs in, on full swing. And uh, I know you do a lot of striper fishing, whether it's from the surf um, or doing some other uh, types of fishing. So maybe tell us a little bit more about your fall season. Um, you know, how do you target striped bass in the fall? Yeah, so I guess my first tip to start going for bass started in late September, a little bit before fluke season closed. Um, you know, I was really trying to make an effort, you know, to kind of end the season on a, a good note. Um, and I was fishing the surf and I was using a bucktail. I had a strip of, of Bonita on it and I got like a, I'm going to say probably like a 36, 38 inch striped bass and it had sea lice on it. So I was like, okay, you know, it's a little early, I guess, but you know, maybe we should be paying a little bit more closer attention. Uh, you know, then we got hit with some bad weather, but after that, you know, I wanted to really kind of go into this this season um, a little differently. You know, I, I took a much more tactical approach than different years. Um, I'm still relatively new to the area I live in now. I've only been here for two to three years. So for me, I wanted to stick to the night to start off the season. Um, and it's a, it's a lot different of a, an approach than fishing the day. Because when you think about fishing the day, you know, there's boats, it's very visual. You know, you got the boats, you have the bait breaking fish. Uh, but at night, you don't have any of those things, you know, and that's where it really comes down to knowing the water. Uh, so one thing I did differently this year is I have a drone, right? So, you know, Google Maps is great, 
but if you put a drone up and you get live aerial footage of all the holes and the contours and everything else, you know, you get a real time look at what you're going to be fishing at night. And a lot of the times, you know, you're kind of going in there with not much to see. So I did a lot of mapping of the county and I kind of picked stretches I wanted to focus on based on what I saw, you know, on the footage and I make landmarks. And when I go back there at night, you know, I knew exactly where I wanted to fish um, and I'd have to work through a few different profiles because there's a lot of different bait that's, that's in the water, right? You have a peanut bunker, you have adult bunker. Um, I stumbled across sand eels. Um, in previous years, I've seen squid washed up, uh, mullet. You know, there's a whole slew of, of bait that these fish are feeding on. So this time of year, I always have something, you know, in my trunk ready to go in case I see something that I'm not expecting. Um, so I got a pretty good start on the, an early season bite, you know, for, you know, early October. And that started with sand eels. I was just kind of, you know, going through my spots, you know, I, I cover a lot of beach, sometimes, you know, three to four miles of walking. And I found a bunch of sand eels washed up and I really wasn't getting hit. I was using, you know, more, I guess you could say, you know, bigger plugs, right? So I go back to my truck, I kind of swap out half my bag and I go back and I'm immediately start getting hit. So, you know, that was in a, you know, the, the first thing I did um, that made a lot of sense because you kind of want to match the hat sometimes and going with those a longer, you know, thinner profile kind of match the body of a sand eel, it led to immediate results. And, you know, I had fish over 40 inches that night. And, you know, it was very early. So <laughs> normally I don't start going hard until, you know, closer towards the end of October. Uh, but being that I found, you know, I started finding a lot of bigger fish, you know, early, a couple of weeks earlier than I normally would. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a great fall so far. But I kept hitting those, those spots and kind of adjusting as I saw, you know, needed. And that's the whole thing is, you know, you kind of have to adjust sometimes because I, I only ran into the sand eels a few nights. So being able to, to constantly adjust, not just, uh, you know, to the bait, but also to the, the water and, and the spots, especially that, that kind of helps with, um, you know, finding the fish. You have to work, you, you know, you can't just stay in one spot. You have to cover a lot of ground, you know, in order to, to be productive is my main thing. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. One thing I want to chime in, um, Paul, you literally just gave away the secret of all secrets with that drone. Now, you know, me and you are going to be fighting every other drone up in the air now. Where today you won't see a drone. Watch me walk out tomorrow and you're going to see uh, like 15 drones in the air flying up and down the beach looking for holes and cuts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can uh, you can find the holes, but there's very specific structure that I'm looking for that yeah. have, have been way more productive than others. And that that I cannot give away. Gotcha. So, so the, here's a question. I'm not sure you might give away. So what did you throw to match that hatch of that sand there when you swapped out the bag? Like I have my go-to that would match a hatch, but what, what were you throwing? Okay. So I, I kind of went into my, my sand yield bin, right? I literally mm -hmm. have compartments of different lures for different, you know, bait and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I grabbed, um, I grabbed the tsunami sand yield, which okay. historically speaking, I have not had a lot of success with. All right. right. 
and I grabbed a, a Ron, like a Ron Z tail that I put on a jig head, mm-hmm. um, and got an Al Gax one, which is again very similar to the Ron Z. Yeah, you know, pretty much anything that was slim that could resemble a sandeel that that was more slender uh, in profile. Yeah, my my yeah. first my first plug I usually grab out of the bag, but if I know Sandy was around and if I'm fishing at night, it's a black needlefish. Yep. Yeah, that's like that's, that's like I'm that... not I'm not I could never get into the needlefish. I know mm-hmm. it's such a proven plug. Um, it's, it's, I it's, just it's it's a weird plug to fish. Like the first time, the couple of times I fished it, it just it's like dragging a stick through the water, right? It just yeah. it has no action. It does nothing, and it just it just it's just like pulling in a stick. But like. I mean, over the years, I've learned to use it efficiently. There, there's yeah. a time, there's a time and place for it, and and sometimes it just doesn't work at all. But sometimes it's it's the magic key that comes out of the bag that works for everything. I know some guys that that live by the needlefish and have so much confidence in it, and they catch. Mm-hmm. And I think that's half the thing is I don't have a lot of confidence yeah. in it because I don't throw it a lot. And I've caught on the needlefish before, um, but it's not. It's never the first five plugs out of my bag you know i i'll carry it on me a lot of the time but for whatever reason i kind of you know dance around it i'll grab something else and it's a confidence thing and i I think that actually plays a lot into catching is you know you have to have confidence in what you're using 100 percent, paul yeah and that's that's straight from like a true surf caster you know Whatever you pull out of your bag, you got to be able confident that that's going to catch fish. No, no one's going to pull that plug out because we as surf casters, you you have that favorite five plugs you're going to pull out every single time and then you're going to fish those five plugs until they don't do nothing now you're going to have to throw an audible in there and pick something you don't usually throw just to try it i mean that's that's the funny thing because i'll spend so much time like packing what i consider the perfect bag mm-hmm. and then i'll throw like only a handful of those lures you know exactly I, so. but you know as a surf caster, that's what we do that's why our bags are so big we we pack for more than we think that we're going to use and in the end of the day we use a handful of we pack 30 plugs. We're going to end up probably throwing maybe 10 in there or exactly. less. I just love the fact that, you know, like you talked about, um, surf fishing for stripers was something that maybe you would co- have considered your bread and butter, you know, something that you were confident in, but you weren't, you weren't happy to just keep doing the same thing. You wanted to push yourself to, to be better. And then you went and called air support in and brought the drone out, <laughs> yeah. right? And, uh, you know, that helped you out, which I, I thought was really cool. I was sitting here picturing this in my mind as you were describing it. Um, and, you know, I, that's something I admire because I feel like myself, you know, with certain kinds of fisheries that, you know, I go do a lot. I, you just kind of get in that comfort zone. And sometimes it's, it can be hard to kind of push yourself to go try new things and see how they work out. So I, I respect you for doing that. Yeah, I'm always experimenting. That's yeah. the one thing. Uh... My brother hates it. He, it drives him nuts. He's like, what What are you doing? I'm, a couple of years ago, I'm dropping the slow pitch jig for fluke. And he's like, don't, don't, don't do that. He's like, put, put the gulp on the jig head. I'm like, don't, don't drop a slow pitch jig. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm dropping the slow pitch jig. Like it's happening. Yeah, so. yeah. So, some people are just keyed in their ways, you know, and with the drone, yeah. um, everyone says, oh, it's cheating. I'm like, it's not, it's a tool. It's an extra tool exactly. to, ma- to make us become better fishermen. Like same thing with guys that say, oh, well, spot locks cheating, uh, side scans cheating, blah blah blah. I was like, guys, they're just tools. It just it helps us do more things more efficiently. That's all. I've got spot lock on my trolling motor on my boat, and I still can't catch that much. 
Well, we can't help you there, Tyler. Yeah, but um, so yeah, well, that's awesome. That sounds like you've had a really good fall season for stripers. Um, now I know just you know looking from your Instagram, I know that striped bass is probably the you know the species we see the most of on there. So, do you like to target stripers um, outside of the fall run? You know, is is spring something else you like to do? Spring, springtime for sure. I mean, winter, winter's a no go. Um, the water just gets too cold, and you know they're mostly smaller fish, and they're very lethargic. Uh, and you can only, you know, you can only fish the surf in New Jersey. You know, you, you can't fish the bays, uh, you know, before March first. So winter's out. In summertime, you can catch them in the summer. I do not target them in summer. Uh, water gets a bit too warm. It just puts too much stress on the fish, and when it comes time to revive it, you know it can be a little, little bit problematic. If it's too warm. Um, so spring, spring's my go-to. I love the spring. I get excited for the spring because, you know, I've been cooped up for a, a few months. All I'm thinking about is fishing. I, I'm not going fishing, you know. And uh, spring rolls around, and it's, it starts, and it's, it's such a, a glorious time because, you know, um, it starts March 1st. The season opens generally March 1st and I don't go I don't I do not step foot out there in March 1st I wait um typically the water's still a little cold fish are usually still on the smaller side and the best approach to get them that early is is you know using blood worms and it's just not my style mm -hmm. I know a lot of guys do well with it it's just for me I don't I don't like using bait for bass for the most part um I'll use eels but that's, you know, that's more of a fall run thing for me. Yeah. Um, but in the spring, you know, I like using artificials. And generally, I would say mid-March, sometimes late March, um, I'll get started. And, you know, Raritan Bay is a, a great place to do that, mm -hmm. at least to start. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's when I'll, I'll get going. Um, you know, various different lures, usually big metal lips, uh, big gliders. I kind of, I try to keep bigger profiles. There's a lot of adult bunker, at least the parts that I fish. And, you know, I try to stick to deeper water with a lot of current or more current, should I say. Uh, this past year, got a lot of good fish on larger shads and paddle tails. I was like nine to 12 inches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 12 inch, the 12 inch actually was a, was great the only thing is the only i was rigging a weightless with a bkk was a titan rider it's like the biggest hook they have it's like an 18-0 hook the thing's mm -hmm. like it looks like a gaff hook but it's you have to it's the only hook that's that has enough gaff in order to clear the bait you know so um but yeah i like fishing deeper water i like fishing current and you know uh, larger profiles you know, that's, that's the name of the game. And usually throughout most of April, you know, that's, that's the, the way to go about it for me, at least. Uh, and then, you know, once May rolls around, then you have a shot at, sometimes have a shot at getting some of the, those Chesapeake fish that are moving north, mm -hmm. you know, along the beach. All right. But what would you say you like spring over fall or you like fall over spring? I'm leaning towards spring, to be okay. honest with you. And the reason for it is uh, during the spring, I should say that 
I would say over 90% of the time I'm exclusively, exclusively fishing at night. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the spots I fish, I don't run into people. I have uh-huh. not run into a few, never run into anybody at a few of the spots. So it's nice being like totally alone, um, you know, on the, during the fall run, it's a little bit different, especially during the day. Yeah. Um, you know, with lineups and, you know, guys casting over you, it, it requires a little bit more patience and mm-hmm. it, it's a different beast, so yeah. to say. But, uh, and then and also, I like, I like and also the spring, you get the, you get the, like you said, you get the fish at night, but that's also when you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to find the bigger ones, right? You're going to find the big, you're going to find big bass at night mm-hmm. during, during the nighttime here during the fall, you may occasionally run to a big bass, but most of the time it's a lot of schoolies at night. And then, you know, occasionally you'll run into a big bass here, but for some reason, springtime, nighttime is the right time. Absolutely. What do you like to use as far as like a, a rod and reel setup um, when you're surfing? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a pen guy as far as the reels go. I, that's how I grew up, you know, um, and I don't know, I guess in, in a way just uh, full of loyalty. But I, I haven't had really any major issues. I use a, a, a pen slammer uh, 5500 a lot of the time. It's a pretty big reel, but um, it's my workhorse. You know, mm-hmm. as far as the spring goes, um, it can handle just about anything. And I've bought bigger fish than striped bass using that reel. Uh, as far as the rod goes, what I don't know the exact model name. Uh, all I know is it, I've used a few. Uh, one is actually a St. Croix, it's a musky rod. Um, the other one, I break a lot of rods. So I'm so hesitant um, <laughs> on my heavier rods. Oh, I've broken so many rods and like user error. Like I can't even try to like say it's a, you know, it's a warranty. Um, yeah. I'll fall, I'll dry, I drew over a rod once. Um, but so I, I don't like spending over a few hundred dollars on a heavier, you know, inlet type of setup. As long as it has some backbone to it, like I'm happy. Uh, so the St. Croix, musky rod and the lamy glass blue water one to four hmm. so yeah about eight foot rods for those situations you know for for more of like a, a bay inlet setup well we have similar and, ideas you know, I, I use all my all my saltwater rods are all saint croix rods with paired up with pen reels so we've got pretty similar thoughts about yeah. that awesome um cool. anything else i think we wanted to talk about striper fishing before we move on to some of the other fisheries that yeah I, I did want to touch bases on striper sure. fishing a little bit more since we are in that fall run and we want to i mean like if this is this one drops soon so the bass will still be here when this episode drops so let's we'll try to help we'll try to help some some uh, newer guys yep. get onto the beach even though i mean i know you just got off the water off an amazing day today especially like oh, yeah. all, the surf, all the surf casters got into some really good fish today um it's like Let's start with um, let's start with a little tip on just say a newer newer guy getting to the scene and uh, like what's a good idea of like how do how do they come up with the game plan for the day to like you know target bass off the beach like like does they okay. they're not really they're new they're new to this but they're not like you know just roll out of bed and decide I want to strike fish they they have a little bit of experience but like what's the what can you kind of you know, um ad- advice you can give them for them just to say all right where like what idea where do i start and where do i finish 
Okay, so if, if you're going for bass during the day, like right around now, um, I always try to find bait. If I can't find breaking fish, I'm looking for bait, all right? Um, as far as, you know, lure selection goes, um, you want to have some top water plugs, have a few pencil poppers ready to go. Um, you know, also like the super strike, a little neck popper is good. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to stick with top water, sometimes, you know, going under along the edges of the bunker is also very productive, you know, and something like that, you want to use like a swim shad. Um, the only problem is sometimes you'll wind up snagging a bunker. Uh, in which case, uh, I have used kind of like a weedless setup that kind of you know, gets around that. Um, gliders can work uh, if you're using single hooks. It's a, a, a lot easier to avoid snagging, you know, the peanut bunker. Uh, but you have to keep an eye out. You know, you want to look for any kind of activity during the day, whether it be birds, bait, breaking fish, boats. You know, like I said, it's a very visual game. Um, and if I'm seeing, you know, if, if I roll up to the, to the surf and I see 10 guys using the pencil popper and no one's hooking up, I'm not throwing a pencil popper. You know, I'm going to go the total opposite uh, until I see something working. So, you know, that's another thing. Don't always try to follow the crowd, you know, unless you have a reason to. It's good to change things up, you know, and take it on a different approach because if, if top water is just not working for whatever reason, um, you know, there's no there's no reason to uh, to kind of waste your time until you, you know, have a reason to do so. So maybe in that case, I would I would stay low. Maybe throw a metal lip, um, you know, or like a dock spook, something different. You know, you want to try to cover as many different bases as possible. So always you want to be observant. See what see what's working for some guys. See what's not working, uh, and try to narrow it down as far as your approach. Gotcha. So how how long do you give a certain section of beach before you say, all right, um, it's not active, there's bait, there's no fish, but and then I should move. Like how long how long would you say a good amount of time to work that beach before you kind of like throw the flag in there and just move on to the next area? Well, if I'm working one school, mm -hmm. honestly, not terribly long. You know, if if fifteen minutes stops you know if if i can't see anything if i have no reason to believe that there are fish on them um then you have two options you either move on to the next pool or you hope that fish run into them and i both have worked in the past um so it's either you want to follow the school and hope something happens you know or you want to keep moving and find a school that you know that's being worked One thing that I was thinking of, you know, you mentioned about how, and I've I've seen this in the few times that I've come down to Jersey in the in the fall run um, to striper fish, you know, things can get a little crazy, right? I mean, you've got all kinds of, of people out. You're trying to get on the beach as fast as possible to catch the blitzing fish. For somebody who's newer starting out in this, um, what's some of the tips that you can give about etiquette? You know, like you're all hurried to park the car, get out, run down the beach. What's what's some tips and tricks you can give for, for newer guys that are starting out? Etiquette is one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I'll try to stay away from, you know, a lineup because you don't know what you're walking into. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to give a few tips, uh, if someone is unhooking a fish, do not take their spot. Like that's that that's their spot in the lineup. They're you know they're just unhooking the fish and you get back in. Um, secondly, don't cast over someone's line, especially if they're fighting a fish. I lost a few fish this this fall so far. Uh, you know. Every, you can't blame people too much. You know, everyone gets very excited, you know, and maybe the cast slips or whatever. Um, And you're just thinking like, I got a cast right there. That's where the fish are are breaking. Uh, You're not thinking, Oh, I'm also casting over this guy's line. Who's fighting a fish at the moment. Um, That would be one. Um, And, you know, there is a limit, you know, to uh, as far as how much space between a person, you know, uh, even today, you know, uh, a guy kind of came over my right shoulder uh, and I had to say something, you know, cause it's just like, you might as well just be holding my hand. You know, it's, <laughs> you want to, you want to give some space, you know, you shouldn't literally be shoulder to shoulder. Um, and another thing I've seen in the past, if, if someone is on a bar, if they're fishing on a, on a bar, do not cast from behind them. Um, no, I've seen, I've seen people come very close to being hit by a plug, you know, that are, you know, fishing ahead of them. Um, I guess those are, those are the big ones. Uh, they, they just rub me the wrong way. It's the only thing about, you know, fishing, blitz fishing, so to say, yeah. uh, that, that can be frustrating because I love, I love catching fish. Uh, it's like the one thing that just makes me happy all the time. I don't care how big it is. Uh, but, the etiquette sometimes not all the time but sometimes can can kind of ruin it so you know i guess understand that everyone's looking to do the same thing everyone wants to catch fish and have a good time just try to be aware you know of what you're doing and and maybe how that affects you know the other anglers that are around you Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's all great advice you know especially for somebody that's going out there for the first time whether they're with a group of people who are new you know or they're just going out by themselves you know like you said the the excitement of what's going on around them, you know, can sometimes prevent them from, um, you know, thinking about some of those types of things. And that's just tips and tricks you want to keep in mind, you know, if you're going out there for the first time is you want to have an enjoyable day, you know, you don't want to end up doing something that gets you into a shouting match with somebody else uh, because, you know, ultimately you're there to catch fish and have a good time, right? You know, you're not yep. uh, trying to create any, uh, any unnecessary stuff that's going on out there. So uh, pre- we appreciate that. It's good advice. Cool. Um, well, Qua, I think I'm ready to start talking about some of these uh, cool pelagic species that Paul goes after. What about you? Sure. No, I love stripers, but we can move on to to the pelagics. <laughs> they were a pain to some days, especially those albies. But yeah, let's do this. Cool. I know from looking at your Instagram, Paul, um, there's a lot of different pelagic species you go after, especially bonito uh, is something that we haven't yep. talked about too much on the show, but also Spanish mackerel and albies. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, your experiences fishing for them. All right. So every year, you know, uh, I make goals for myself. But the one goal that remains constant uh, is to catch an alvey, a Spanish mackerel, and a bonito from shore. Um, and every year, I usually fall one fish short. So they're, I don't know why I'm so drawn to them. I think it's because I know they're only around for a limited time. Uh, and how challenging they can truly be to catch. And, you know, every year is a little bit different from the last, you know, so 
when the Spanish mackerel start coming in, and that could be anywhere from, you know, early to mid-July, it could be August. You know, like I said, it kind of changes every year. Um, I tend to kind of drop everything I'm doing as far as fluke fishing goes. Like even this year, I took three, three weeks off fluke fishing just to target these fish. Um, and I'll be honest, like they, they drove me a little bit nuts this year because I'd see them and they stayed pretty far out and they'd just be leaping out of the water and, you know, 50, 50 to 60 yards out of reach. And I couldn't get one, you know, so I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to stick around the inlets. You know, historically speaking, I, I've had good success, you know, around the inlets, call it within a mile or two of an inlet. Um, and, you know, one morning I finally got mine, you know, and I was satisfied. I was like, I'm, I was done going for them at that point. You know, check it off the list. Good. Um, but I, I think they're delicious too. That's just, that's me personally. Um, but I've had a lot of success with them using spoons. You know, a lot of guys will use epoxy jigs, and I've, I've caught them with epoxies as well. But for whatever reason, most of them come on some kind of metal jig. And lately, it's been more, you know, castmasters and, you know, crocodile spoons. Um, so that's, that's that. As far as the Benito go, um, past two years have been a very good showing of them. So I, I hope that trend continues into next year because. They fight better than a Spanish mackerel. They don't fight as good as an Albi, but they put up a very good fight. Uh, and they're also a very good table fare. Um, for them, I did get into them off the surfs. They were on the smaller side. Uh, but same thing, I got those on uh, small metal jigs, uh, the, the uh, Nomad Ridgeback. Uh, fast retrieve, you know, that kind of applies to all three of those species uh, for the most part. Uh, but I got a few trips out on the boat and, you know, I just hop up a, a party boat, you know, it's actually a bluefish trip, but the day before, you know, I, once August, I would say mid August comes through, I start paying very, very close attention to the bluefish party boats. Uh, and once I see that on a bluefish trip that they did, you know, good with Benito, like not one or two, I'm talking like a number of them. Uh, my wife knows that I'm going to be on that boat the very next day. Because uh, you don't know how long they're going to be in for. You know, some yeah. some years it's it's brief. Other years they're around for a month, you know, or two. So, yeah, that's what I did. I hopped on a bluefish boat. Everyone's you know thinking bluefish, and I'm no, I have I'm all rigged up, ready for Benito. And sure enough, you know, hammered them. And then I went back out a couple of days later, you know, got some more. And um, the skins of these fish too. Um, don't throw them out. You know, they they make. I don't know why fluke go nuts over them. Um, so it's, keep that in mind. Uh, but same thing, fast retrieve, uh, you know, smaller, you know, thin jigs. Um, if they're really picky and they can get picky, uh, a, like a tsunami split tail, something like that, or a, we call it like the Ronzi, a smaller Ronzi sand eel, uh, more realistic looking have been the ticket some days. Like you'll literally see them swimming side by side of your lure, like evaluating it, and then they'll turn away, you know, but then you throw on, you know, a, a split tail or something like that and they'll, they'll whack it. But um, one thing I did differently too this year is I used, um, like I said, they fight well, but they're not like an Aldi. So 
So I, I put a teaser on one day and I, I, I was getting double headers. And that was as close to an Albi fight as you can get. Yeah. So, double header Benito. That sounds like quite the experience. Double header. Man, that was that was a blast. Have, have you ever hooked into a big Benito? Like a big, big one. Yes. Well, okay. how big, big, big? Uh well, I was I was out wreck fishing out front of Long Branch. It's a small little wreck. We were jigging. We were slow pitch jigging. Uh, cause we knew there were, um, Albies around on this one wreck for some yeah. reason. They just like, so we were dropping, I think it was like, the wreck was like 70, 80 feet or something. It was a, like a little wreck and we were just speed jigging. And then one of us hooked up into an Albie and the second bus and I hooked up into a Benita. This Benita was like 15 pounds. And it, I kid you not, if you put the, the Benita against this 15 pound Benita against this like 12 pound Albie, this Benita would have crushed this Albie, like the strength oh, and yeah. like the power. It was, it was. It was insane. It was just like the the drag it ripped. I guess it's because of the deep water that it has and the range. It's just like it dug. And you know how Albies, when they they run, they run. But like after a little bit, they start circling. Like the needles don't circle. They just go wherever they want to go. Albies are another breed. I mean, they are they are such a fun fish to catch. I have but I have a, a love I, I have a love and hate relationship with Albies. <laughs> and i think i i can speak for a lot of us to a love and hate relationship especially if you're a surf caster uh from a boat it's pretty uh it's it's pretty um bad too i mean i took tyler out this year on my skiff for his uh, uh an albie session and he's seen how frustrating it could get or insane it could get at one time definitely although i don't know i was throwing epoxy jigs for an albie and i ended up with a cobia so <laughs> hey it's not bad right no yeah no. Throwing throwing epoxy jigs into a into a school of bait and end up with a fifty five pound cobia couldn't believe it. On a on a on a one zero deadly dicks, you believe that that little hook held wow. onto a held onto a fifty five pound cobia. That's a bucket list fish for me. I mean, I mean, every year the numbers are getting better and better up here. So I mean, they're gonna get they're gonna get to a point to be targetable. But that's definitely really cool that you uh, you get the opportunity to go out and surf fish for some of those pelagics. You know, I respect that you want to do all three from shore, but I was going to ask you if you ever get tempted when you're watching them out further, if you want to hop on a boat and, uh, and you know, you do. So I would think I'd be doing the same exact thing if I was in your position. I had, I had one shot at Albies from the surf this, this, this year so far. Literally one cast, not even like a day. Yeah. Um, you know, and it just didn't work out. You know, some years are better than the others, but mm -hmm. from the surf, I I didn't see much either. You know, it's a hard year for them. Yeah, so. I mean the boat, the boats we've seen them all a good month or two. Oh yeah, the boat, yeah. boat guys are great. Yeah, I see guy. them off the surf. You know, and I'd be like, oh come on, please come in. You know, yeah. like, give me yeah. give me one shot. That's but, that's all you need, one shot. You know what I mean? Just yeah. but yeah, there are on the boats. I mean. Tyler's seen it. They didn't. They didn't move far. You stay one place. You turn the engine off. You sit there, and they foam right around the boat, left side, right side, back side. You just gotta let them go down and come back up. Yep. Either like, that, or they uh, go by by you know light speed. Yeah, that's fast enough. It's one yeah. or the other. I mean, Spanish Max still have eluded me. Um. I yeah, like I, I like Spanish mackerel. I just don't feel like they're just not on the same level. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So 
I mean, Spanish backs are fun when they're um, you know, they they leap out of they leap out of the water, right? And you and you. Oh yeah. What's what's your secret? What's your secret lure for Spanish macros? Because I've thrown everything, and I, I'm a kid from Florida, so for us Spanish macros, we've always we've always thrown gotcha plugs for them because it's, it's just down there. It's just like they're so plentiful, but up here it's like it's a little bit different. Sometimes they're there thick, and then sometimes it's just a few scattered ones. I I try the gotchas. Like I always buy a bunch, and the thing is, when you when you fish those next to rocks. Mm-hmm. Man, it bangs them. Up. It bangs them up pretty good on the head. But uh, I caught a lot of bluefish with them. I didn't get any Spanish on the gotchas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know the the uh, the crocodile spoons, smaller crocodile spoons, and castmasters were uh, have been pretty good for me. Gotcha. All right. So there's little little castmasters and things like that. Yeah, I never thought I never threw one of those. Yeah, like, just like to three try. quarter ounce. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned about bluefish. How about we, we talk about bluefish for a minute? Um, I know that's, that's something as well that you kind of get into with, with surf fishing too. Um, you run into some nice bluefish on occasion. Maybe you can mention a, a little bit about your experiences with them. Yeah, so I like I like the big bluefish. You know, the little ones are fun too. You know, they help kind of get you through some summer mornings. Um, but the big ones, I mean, they fight hard. I mean, they're everything you want. I don't know why they get such a bad rap, but uh, – you know, uh, I, I think, I guess, late April, early May, you usually get a, a good showing of the big ones. They're usually long and skinny at that time, mm-hmm. um, but they're just on a war path. You know, they'll kind of come into the base for a few days, yeah. and then they'll, they'll kind of storm the beach, tearing everything, you know, up in their path. Um, but they're they're a lot of fun, and, you know, I always hear – you know, people say, oh, they'll eat anything, right? Mm-hmm. That is not true. No. You know, even this year, I've had multiple days where they were incredibly picky. You know, where I, I walk on the I walk on the beach and I could smell them. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. You could smell them? Yep. You definitely yeah. know the fishiness of smell of a bluefish. When a bluefish yeah. school is around, you know. Yep. I'm like, oh, boy. Like, we're in for some fun. So I throw on a popper, you know? And the top water for me, bluefish and top water just go hand in hand the best way to do it um so i throw on a popper nothing i'm like okay you know throw on another top water plug you know, and uh nothing and i know they're here i don't see them breaking anything but i i, I still smell them yeah so i i throw on uh what was it like the uh x-rap twitch and minnow i want to say it was mm-hmm. and immediate immediately immediately hooked up and i you know got a ton of fish that morning um another day in the bay uh that's when it came down to color if you weren't using a chartreuse um zoom fluke you were not getting hit you know my brother was using chartreuse he was totally tearing it up i was using white pink nothing and then he finally gave me one and i, I caught a fish so <laughs> yeah, but, I've had, yeah i've they had can, they can be picky I've had days no. in the back too that like you know the gators are back there and like we'll throw everything and I've had plenty of times they'll follow whatever you throw up to the boat like 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 a prey like a predator follow it nose up to it and then just deny it you know like now frustrating that's like I mean in our terms Tyler it would be like musky fishing right we move we move a musky it comes up it comes in hot on our on our on our plugs right and then as soon as it gets to the boat it turns because it's like it didn't it something didn't feel right and it just turns away. 
So frustrating, extremely and, frustrating. Yeah, some people say, oh, it doesn't take much skill to catch a bluefish. Yeah, when they're ravaging and they don't care and they pillage yeah. everything, they don't care. But when they are picky, they are picky. Yeah, that's when you that's be... when you know you're having a tough day, right? If you think you can go out and catch any bluefish you want and then you get skunked. On bluefish, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah, so if, if you go out for bluefish, don't only pack top water. Yeah. <laughs> pack <laughs> everything. Have something that covers different different, you know, water columns. So Yeah, but I mean the, the years of having that really good bluefish runs are like far and few, you know, like 2015, 2016. We had those really yep. good, like two, three weeks worth of them, right? In in like April and May ish, and then now it's like maybe two or three days, a few days, you know, maybe a week. It's just I don't know, like no idea. I mean, some people say, oh, maybe because people are just catching too many. I don't know. It could be anything. They they change your migratory pattern, I think, too, over the years. Yep. Yeah, because a lot of my tuna guys out there, out in like the mud hole and stuff, they. They see thousands of them just out there balled up because the tuna are feeding on them. So, well, Paul, I know you also like to target uh, one of my favorite species, and that would be fluke. Um, I know that it looks like a lot of what you do, fluke fishing, is actually from the surf. Um, you know, a lot of people, including myself, right, we're going out on a party boat, fluke fishing, but uh, you like to do it from the surf. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I went on one party boat for fluke this year, and I do every year. Me and my brother, we have a, a tradition where we do a brother's trip um, on a party boat. We've been doing it since we were kids. But aside from that, I am on land for fluke. Um, when the season opens, um, I'm in the bay. I'm not on the surf yet. Uh, so early season, I like to stay deep in the bay. Um, I've caught them on a lot of weird things i got one on like a like a nine inch like like a like a jerk bait on like i'm sorry like a zoom fluke pretty much you know like um but generally speaking you know there there's a lot of shrimp that they're feeding on and you know if i'm i'm trying to get away from gulp if i'm being honest you know next year i have next year i do not plan on using gulp at all next uh for the for the season but i did use it um at times this year but early season you know you want to stick to the back base you know that's where that's where they're going to be and yeah i mean gulp works um if i'm not using gulp i'm using you know for the most part smaller profiles i use uh pro cure shrimp a lot mm -hmm. on the early season that does really well um but I would say once you enter June, I'm exclusively on the beach. And it's been a really great couple of seasons on the surf. And it's surprising because, you know, I'll go out there, you know, many mornings and I'll bang them up, you know, and I'll get messages from guys saying like, like, where, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, like, okay, well, let's back up. Like, well, what are you throwing? And they'll, they'll be like, oh, I'm throwing like, a bucktail with gulp. I'm like, well, what's the weight of your bucktail? And they're like, one ounce. I'm like, too heavy. And I, I think that's half the problem. Like, the the beach here, the beaches here in Monmouth County, which is really where I, I, I guess I fish with fluke the most, rarely am I over three-eighths of an ounce. I mean, if it's a little rough or wind and I need to be able to, you know, to, to cast, or if it's, uh, it's a big tide or something like that, maybe I'll go to half an ounce. I'm never over half an ounce. 
you know, so, but the same thing in the, on the surf, like with bass, you have to move, you have to walk around, you have to cover ground, you have to find those holes. Uh, for me, it's a game of structure, hard structure and soft structure. So all the rock piles, you know, I will cast both sides of them and I'll just keep working it, you know, and uh, usually when you find one, there's, there's more. So you just have to cover ground. It's my biggest thing. Yeah, and and I like what you just, in the water. Mm-hmm. I like what you just said a minute ago, talking about how, you know, a lot of people right with fluke, they're bottom fish. You know, you might think like, oh well, I can never go too heavy because as long as I'm holding bottom, that's where they're going to be. But you know, what you were kind of saying is there is a point in which you are fishing too much weight, and that's something that I experienced on um, a party boat trip I did up in Cape Cod where. You know, I started really, really heavy to try to hold bottom in the current we were in, and I really wasn't getting bit that much. And then I switched up to a lighter weight, and all of a sudden, I started feeling a lot more bites. I started catching a lot more fish. So I think that was interesting you mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think presentation is really with anything is the most important thing. And if you, you know, if you can't present what you're throwing correctly, you know, you're not going to get as much action. And there were days where gulp was not the answer, you know. Um, I, I throw it, I got nothing, and I would throw something else on, and I'm a big Procure guy. Um, I think I used Procure Blue, Blue Crab. I think that was the one I was using a lot. Um, and that was just getting destroyed. So I don't know. You have to play around with a lot of things. Uh, white Zoom Flukes are great. Um, and color, while we're talking about it, color is important. Color and scent, I think, are very important, personally. Um, you know, white's my, always my go-to, but, you know, sometimes chartreuse or, you know, pink shine or even just pink, you know, can make all the difference. Yeah, I agree. I think color is pretty important. Um, you know, I mean, especially when you're talking about like back bays, they get so sensitive to the change in the, in the yeah. water clarity. You know, if you get really dirty water, that's going to sh- really shut off a bite. Um, and I agree yeah. too with the scent, you know, I mean, that's why I use gulp sometimes, but the other times when I'm not using it, it's like, kind of like, I don't know, I'd say a 60, 40 split. The other 40% of the time I'm using maybe like a Z-Man soft plastic or some other so- kind of soft plastic, yep. but I'm, I'm putting the pro cure on it. Like you were talking about. Yeah. I don't know if it, that's maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know. I've been using the pro cure for a few years now and, uh, I don't know. It just seems give me at least a little bit of an edge. And they have to be scent sensitive, these fish, because, you know, I've seen guys, you know, you, they'll throw gulp on a hook and just leave it there and they'll catch a fluke. So there's no action happening, really. Um, but yeah, it's still catching fish. So I think scent is important. I really do. Yeah, yes. I agree so with that. The, yeah, so this beach light tackle single jig thing's been getting popular the past two, three years. Um, and a lot of guys get confused about the setups on them, right? So, um, and can you explain what kind of setup are you running on these uh, light, light J tackle setups? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll use one of two rods. This year, I was using a a Nomad inshore rod. You know, um, I, I work with Nomad pretty closely on a lot of things, and you know, I wanted to test out their rods. You know, even though it was an inshore rod, it was seven foot six. Um, you know, it was light enough to use. Um, but I also have, uh, I use the St. Croix as well, uh, seven foot six premier. 
-hmm. you know, a lighter rod, something that's meant to throw what you're, as far as the lure rating goes. Okay. And if I really want to have a little bit of fun, and this is, this is more of a, a rod that I like to use that if I have the, if there's a chance I'm going to see any kind of Spanish mackerel or albies or whatever, and I need extra casting distance, but I also want to fluke, um, I'll use the black hole nine foot six Suzuki ultralight too. Um, the thing barely weighs anything and it's great for the lighter stuff. And you can, if you need to clip on something, you know, and to reach fish, it can really bomb a one to one and a half ounce, you know, epoxy jig or metal uh, a mile, like it flies. So those are my usual setups. Um, almost all of them, as far as the reel goes, I use the Shimano Vanford 3000. Um, 15 pound braid, sometimes 10 pound braid. I have, I have a couple different spools I have. You know, I just kind of swap on and off depending on what I'm doing. Right. Um, and you talked about how important presentation is. What's your retrieve in your like presentation when you're throwing the single jig? Yeah, so I'll use single. I'll also use, sometimes I'll, I will use a teaser. Um, okay. when, a, when there's microbate around, and it does, it did happen this year. Um, I had these really small teasers uh, from local ties. I think it's called the micro flash. Mm -hmm. And there were times where that's all they were hitting. They were not hitting anything else um, to the point where my wife called me. And I stopped, you know, I just stopped mid, mid, mid retreat, pick up the call. And just the wave activity alone was able to draw a strike as I was on the phone doing nothing. Um, but as far as retrieve goes, you know, you see a lot of guys, you know, doing, I guess you would call the Skinner method, right? Uh, constantly, you know, twitching and reeling. Um, I guess for me, it's more of like a twitch, twitch, pause, so to say. Mm -hmm. If I had to describe it. Um, it's, it's a slower approach. It's not very fast. Um, rarely do I speed it up. Okay. So with the twitch, twitch, pause, is more like, you let it hit bottom, and you do a twitch, twitch, yep. pause, and then you you'll wait until you could feel, you could feel the bottom hit again, and then you'll just continue that. Correct. For the okay. Most part. Okay. Do you and do, uh, and do you use do you usually feel that hit on the pause, or do you feel it on the drop? I would say I hit a lot on the pause. On the pause. Yeah. Either on the pause or right after the pause, like on that. It's kind of like, I want to say it's 50-50. I do get a lot mm -hmm. on the pause because I'll stop pause and I'll, I'll feel the hit. Right. So Now, is, now the hit is more like, mm -hmm. like the hit, like from a boat, we know what a, a fluke hits. Like you, when you're jigging from a boat, you can feel it grabbing the tail and trying to follow it. Now for off the beach, is it something similar or is it totally something different? Sometimes, sometimes it's, there have been times I don't even know I, I was being hit until I go to twitch it again and I have a fish on, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I, sometimes though on the pause, I will feel the fish hit it. I was going to say, in some of my experiences, uh, fluke fishing from shore, I've had some instances where they hit it right away and then I have a, have have had other instances where they will literally follow me all the way back up to the edge of the water and I can see them coming in just kind of nipping at it a little bit along the way. Maybe you've experienced the same thing. 
Yeah, I mean, actually, when I think about it, most of the fish I caught this summer were not far out. You know, um, a lot of them were pretty much like right in the beach lip. I mean, it's it's an easy meal if you think about it, right? Sure. You're just kind of sitting there, kind of sand fleas that were around, um, just waiting for things just to get disoriented and washed around and just pick at it. So. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, well, I know the other type of fishing that I see you do is, uh, is black sea bass fishing. Do you have any local, uh, party boats that you like to go out on when you go sea bass fishing? Um, yeah. If I go on a party boat, I've been on the Queen Mary. Um, you know, I like the Queen Mary. I go on the Queen Mary too for the, for Benito. Um, clean boat, you know, the good captains, good mates. Uh, the thing I like about them is they make an effort. And I can't say that about every single party boat. You know, um, especially on the bad days, you know, so I've been on, I would say most boats out of, you know, uh, Shark River and Manasquan. And I always judge a boat, not on the good days, but on the bad days. You know, so if it's a bad day, uh, is the captain just going to kind of ride it out or make some slight adjustments or are they going to? pretty much burn the fuel and really try to find the fish. And in my experience, the Queen Mary, they, they do make that effort. And I, that's what I appreciate. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, from the party boats that I've been on, I've been fortunate to have more good trips than not good trips. Um, but you know, that to me, it's always, regardless of how the fishing is, if you're catching a lot of fish or if you're not, you know, how much are they moving around? How much are they making an attempt to to put you on fish or better fish? So I, I totally yeah. agree. And that's, that's nice that you found a boat like that that you enjoy going out on. Yeah. I also go out on my buddy's boat. He has, you know, he has a, a 21 foot Parker. So, you know, sometimes I get, the, I get the call. You want to go, you know, see bass fishing. I'm like, absolutely. You know, they're probably my favorite <laughs> fish to eat. Um, but I'll, I will only jig them. I will not use bait for them. You know, I, I like jigging. I don't know something about it so yeah i agree sea bass are probably my favorite fish to harvest they're probably the the only one that i will do without really uh thinking about catch and release but um i have yet to jig for them i have only ever fished bait with them probably more so just because of the times of years that i i go um but yeah the, the jigging though seems like a lot of fun for sea bass i'm hoping to try that sometime in the future yep i use a teaser too getting double headers is, is a great time um but really any kind of, I mean, I use slow pitch jigs um, or, you know, similar. You can really get with, with anything, you know, even just a, like a standard, like Ava, you know, so. But the teasers, what I did really well with this year as far as the teaser, just two different things I used. I either used, uh, again, a local ties, uh, this Wonder Bread teaser. I don't know what it is. I've caught just about everything with it. Um, or the Savage Gear, uh, what is it? Like the little sandial-looking thing. Um, I, I can picture what you're talking about. I don't remember the name. Yeah. Yet. But you're right. It does look like a little sandial. Yeah, the, I think it's like a four or five inches. But it, it's made of that stretchy material, kind of like the Z-Man. So it mm -hmm. uh, really holds up. Um, but yeah, those in pink. I don't know. Pink seems to be the color for me. But Nice. Yeah, there's nothing better than getting a double header of keeper sea bass. That's a great day. Oh yeah, you get a couple of those. Yeah, cool. uh, for me, I've I've actually been having super sweet success with the uh, the Nomad Gypsies. 
with the smaller versions yep. with the double hooks on the butterfly hooks on them. I've, I've been doing really well on those for some weird reason. The, the sea bass can't, can't stay off of them. Yep. The gypsies go Ridgeback and the, uh, the Buffalo too. Yeah. The Buffaloes are um, pretty well, but the gypsies have been, have been the magic ticket for me all, especially when jigging for sea bass. It, it, for some reason it calls out all the small fish and it's just always the big, the big knuckleheads that be grabbing it first. Yeah. That's what you want. Right. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to talk about related to uh, our local fisheries before we start getting some of our listeners' favorite questions? No, I am good. Paul covered up pretty much everything we have here on the uh, on, on our Jersey coast. Yeah, definitely. A lot of great info. So, uh, Paul, we're going to start to get into some of our listeners' favorite questions. Um, do you have any bucket list fish species or bucket list destinations that you have yet to cross off or visit? Yes, uh, that I have yet to. Yes, I, what I really want, I want a rooster fish. Like I thought about this. I have a whole list of fish I want to catch. And if I, if I have to pick one, I, w- I want a rooster fish. So I don't know why. I just, I just do. They look like they're mm-hmm. uh, hard fighting fish. They look cool. Uh, and it gives me a reason to go to Costa Rica. So. Awesome. Yeah, you, I'm assuming you want to do it from the surf, right? Yes, exactly. I was going to ask him. Is it going to be from the surf or from a boat? I prefer the surf, obviously, but obviously. Um, I'm, I'm open to the I'm open to the boat as well. Um, I just want to cross it off the list. This is my whole thing, but definitely going to give it an effort off the surf. I think you're going to treat it like Benito, right? If they're in the surf, you're going to yep. do it. If they're just off the surf, then you'll uh, you'll get on the boat. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah, definitely one that I think you know for a lot of us that would be the ultimate. Uh, destination to go to Costa Rica or or Baja in Mexico and go chase after some big rooster fish. Sweet. How about a most memorable fishing trip? And as our friend and co-host Bobby likes to say, this can either be a really memorable experience that was good or something that was a bad experience but gave you a good laugh later on. So, okay. Um, Pretty recent. It was uh, last year and I guess the reason why it was so memorable is because it was unexpected. So my wife's parents, they, uh, they booked a, a house in Isla Mirada for like a week. Right. So I was like, yes, we are going. Absolutely. You know, I, I literally packed a suitcase just full of fishing gear on top of like four different rods, you know, so <laughs> we it. go down there, but the, the rule was, you know, can't fish during the day. It's family time only. Right. Once the sun goes down and everyone's sleeping, I'm free to do whatever I want as long as I'm not a zombie the next day. It's like, okay, yeah, no problem. Absolutely. You know, whatever, whatever you say, you know. So, uh, so once everyone went to bed, which was pretty early, uh, luckily, since there were kids down there, um, you know, I kissed her goodbye, hopped in the car and, you know, went, went exploring, you know. And some of the bridges down there, they are pitch black at night. Like, there are no lights whatsoever. Like, that was the one thing I forgot with my headlamp. So, but I had a flashlight, so it was, it was all right. So, anyway, I'm exploring these bridges. Um, and I, I keep going a little further south, and I find this one bridge. And I'm just thinking tarpon. That's all I want. I just want to catch a tarpon. I had never caught a tarpon before. Um, and I get to this one bridge, and I see the tarpon just right there. And, you know, I caught a few, which was great, but then the, the tide change and starts ripping but i'm like i'm not ready to go home yet right so i'm like okay i i 
I have to throw in something heavier. I can't, you know, I'm just getting totally just swept. So I put on like this, this nine inch paddle tail and uh, I have like an NLBN jig head. And I just, I, you know, throw it, I'm swinging it just like I would for, you know, bass or anything else. And it just gets whacked. And I, it felt like the bottom was moving. So I have I have that St. Croix musky rod, all right, which has never failed me. And I got my my heavy, you know, my my 10 5500, the slammer. And I have the drag nearly locked down all the way. And the rod is just totally bent over, like losing my footing a little bit. Suddenly, it kind of gave up. I'm reeling up, reeling up, reeling up. And it's a Goliath grouper. Well, I was going to guess I was that. Just, blown away like this thing just wanted so bad just to break me off on that on that bridge and somehow even in current i was able to pull it out and land the fish and i didn't know what the rules were if you were like allowed to take them out of the water or not like he wasn't small like yeah, I, think I, it's, I didn't uh, take him out I, of the water i think it's up yeah. to 100 pounds 100 pounds i think is you can't take them out of the water if they're over a hundred pounds or something like that. Juvenile, yeah, he was. I, he was in the hundred, but yeah, you know, okay. he was, he was good. Um, I was very happy, and honestly, that fish, um, even though I went down there hoping just to get a tarpon, you know, uh, that fish made my trip. Oh, you yeah. know, and even yeah. just thinking about it now, I'm like, I'm all amped up, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. one of the hardest fights I've ever had from land, maybe the hardest fight actually. And especially on that setup you had, that that's that's a pretty good accomplishment uh musky rod and on the 5500 nine times out of ten usually and i've fished there a lot too so goliaths anything over 100 pounds that's like literally almost 100 100 break off oh yeah especially with a current especially with a current yeah the odds of landing that fish on that light of gear it's close to none but the fact that you got to land it it's definitely a, an accomplishment I think it was a miracle, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not questioning it though. So, did you get a, Did you get a photo of it? I got a I got a video of it actually. Nice. So, yeah, I just kept it in the water, you know, un, mm-hmm. unhooked it, and yeah, just sent her on its way. So, so your first yeah. your first trip to the Keys was a memorable one. That's good. Yeah, I I can't wait to get back. I mean, I just had a we had our first son a year ago, so. You know, traveling. I have all these plans to travel every year. So, uh, you know, it's I, maybe next year. You know, yeah. he's, he's getting a little older now. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm fortunate that you know I was I'm able to fish. You know, as much as I am. You know, even with that, I got to give my wife a big thank you for that. And she knows yeah, the, how much it means to me. So yeah, the key the keys are a magical place, man. The keys are a magical place. Yeah, I was in Isla Mirada for the first time this past summer, right before I cast and. It was awesome. I did some flats fishing. I'm planning on going back uh, this past summer, but or this next summer, excuse me. But yeah, the Goliath groupers, I had one almost eat a 30 plus inch snook the first time I fished in Florida. So wow. uh, you know, they are not to be messed with. I was reeling in this, I forget now, it was like a somewhere between 30, uh, 30 and 35 inch snook at Sebastian Inlet. And all of a sudden, my buddy in the back of the boat starts screaming that this Goliath grouper is trying to eat my snook as I'm just trying <laughs> to hang on and reel it in. And uh, I just remember the captain picking me up and carrying me to the other side of the boat as I'm still reeling it in to get me away from the grouper. It was insane. But definitely a memorable experience. Um, 
so yeah, I think with that, we're going to start to wrap it up. Um, but before we go, Paul, if you want to tell your, our listeners where they can find you on social media. And also I know you mentioned, uh, one or two companies that you work with. If you uh, want to give a shout out to them, feel free to do that as well. Yeah. So I would say, you know, Instagram is what, what I'm on the most. Uh, you can find me at Jersey shore fishing, uh, same with TikTok and, uh, YouTube on Facebook. It's NJ shore fishing. Um, but honestly, Instagram is, is probably the platform I use the most. I post a lot of stories. Um, and yeah, that's, that's definitely the, the platform to, to look out for. Um, and big thanks to uh, Nomad Design. You know, uh, they've been a, a huge part of my success. And, you know, they, they do have some great gear uh, that I've caught some of my best fish with. And if you ever have a question on what to use and how to use it, uh, feel free to message me. I reply to every single message I get. That's awesome. Uh, we appreciate that. And thank you very much for coming on tonight with us, Paul. Um, you know, yeah. you shared a thank lot of great info me. about, yeah, absolutely. About a lot of our favorite fisheries here in New Jersey in our local uh, waters. I know I'm, I'm ready to go fishing now. It's, it's eight o'clock at night, but I'm ready to get out here and go do some fishing. Oh, I'm headed, I'm headed out tomorrow. I'm headed out tomorrow. Tomorrow's opening talk season. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up another great episode of the Tide Chasers podcast. We thank you for tuning in. Make sure to give Paul a follow on his social media pages. Um, and please give us a follow and subscribe as well. Until the next episode, tight lines, everybody. All right. Enjoy that fall run, guys. Keep those lines tight. We'll see you in the next one.